0: The following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, verse 43, John 12, verses 42 and uh, verse 43, <clears throat> here the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And I'd like to teach on this subject, confession and salvation, confession and the salvation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we look into thy word this morning, God, thank you for those who are able to be here this morning with us. And Lord, I pray, Father, for those who are sick and not able to be in all the services. I pray, God, that you'd be with them, strengthen them, lift them up and Father bless this time now as we look into thy word and father thank you for the eternal word of God and father thank you for salvation by grace through faith in thee and father what a blessing it is to know our sins are forgiven our home is heaven and yet there are some who do not have this knowledge in their hearts who are not truly saved maybe there's one in this room even this morning who knows not the Lord who's not genuinely saved I pray God That you would convict them, you would illuminate them, that you would help them to come even to Christ. And Father, help us to understand maybe better the consideration of salvation by confession. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, here in our text, we see that the contrast of the outright unbelief, as we talked about, the amazement of unbelief last time, of most of the leadership of the Jews, there were some. Uh, who did have some measure of faith in Christ as the Messiah, but that they would not risk being put out of their religion or synagogues uh, or being excommunicated because of it. Look with me to John 9. John 9, already the decree had gone out and was understood by many uh, concerning uh, Christ and what uh, they were to do with Him, if you will. In John 9, looking at verse 17, John 9, looking at verse 17. And they say unto the blind man, again, this was the one that was born blind that Christ healed. And, uh, you know, he's excited about it. He's telling everybody about it. The Jews, the leadership of the Jews hear about it. They begin to question him concerning it because they're upset. They're envious at him. Uh, they're, they're upset because uh, every time he does something, people are more impressed by him. The crowd seemed to grow larger and their crowd seems to grow smaller. In John 9 and 17, and they say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe uh, concerning him that he had been born blind, and uh, received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son? You know, they can't accept the the very the very testimony of the man himself. They call the parents, Is this your son who who? Who ye say was born blind, how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. And now they're they're being diplomatic, careful about their answer uh, concerning this question. We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or hath opened his eyes, we know not. Uh, He is of age, ask him he shall speak for himself now you know what it wasn't like they didn't know but they weren't about to acknowledge that they did know they weren't going to say yeah we know what happened and they weren't going to be on jesus side if you will and look at verse 22 these words spake his parents because they feared the jews for the jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was christ he should be put out of the synagogue so they're they're dealing with the decree That's already gone out that says, you know, if you follow this Christ, you believe and confess, if you will, that Jesus is the Christ, we're going to throw you out of the church. And what a terrible thing. You know, there are a lot of folks that are afraid of that kind of thing. Sometimes the membership of some churches uh, continue out of basic fear uh, 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 in in what they do, basic fear of those in leadership. They don't want to be thrown out. In John 16 and 1, John 16 and 1. say, Preacher, do religious leaders do that? Surely they do. As a matter of fact, there's a great fear among those who are involved with the Islamic movement because they're afraid if they go against the movement, they themselves will be killed. In John 16 and 1, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, "...that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service." And the Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, before he got saved, persecuted the Jews, thinking he was doing the right thing. And many, even in the, in the realm of religion, may be misunderstood, may, may misunderstand, even be confused about what's really going on, but there were those among them that it were envious of Christ, and they sought to control the people and keep them from leaving the, uh, their faith. And so as we consider the, our subject in John 12, looking back there again, <clears throat> John 12, and looking at verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. There's a question, I think, that arises in the face of, you know, a lot of people say believe. I, matter of fact, I see on, on people's desks all throughout the place I work, uh, we see plaques that says, believe, believe, believe. They never say what to believe in and whom to believe on. We hear talk about faith. faith, in who, They don't talk about faith in whom or whatever. They just say, have faith. Well, folks, you know, it's important what we have faith and in whom we have faith or believe. And, you know, here are these Jews. It's, the Bible tells us plainly that many did not believe, but there were those that did believe. And the question that comes to my mind and should come to our heart is whether they truly believed or not to the saving of their soul. And I think the answer we'll find to that question is found in the word confess in verse forty-two. Nevertheless, many among the chief, uh, many <laughs> nevertheless among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And this word confess is important to our understanding as to whether or not these folks were truly saved by the grace of God here. Confession is important in the matter of salvation. Now, the word confess means to own, acknowledge, or avow a crime, a fault, a charge, a debt, or something that is against one's interest or reputation. In the Catholic Church, a part of the definition, I'm not endorsing their practice of confession, I'm just saying it's a part of the definition given in the Catholic Church to acknowledge sins and faults to a priest, to disclose the the state of the conscience to a priest in private with a view to absolution. And nowhere in the scriptures are we commanded by God to confess our sins to a priest in order to find absolution we find forgiveness with god when we confess our sins to god amen as we'll see uh, later on but it's a part of the definition of confess confess also means to avow to own avow acknowledge publicly to declare a belief in an adherence to something it means to own acknowledge as a true disciples and friends or children to show by the effect to prove to attest, and you know, in one sense, we might say that <clears throat> uh, the change in a person's life gives proof to their confession, their salvation, their faith in uh, the Lord. So, where tr- there is true salvation, there is f- first has to be genuine confession. Genuine confession. And if, if you will, again, it says here. <clears throat> that they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And now again, the confession, first is the confession of sin. When we talk about confession, it's almost like I've used before, salvation being a two-sided coin, because confession is a huge part of salvation, in the sense that first, if you will, there's the confession of sin, and then there's the confession of faith. And it's important that we deal with first things first, here, as we're talking about, that many supposedly believed on the Lord, but were afraid to confess. If you will, they did not confess. It leaves us with the question as to whether they were truly saved by the grace of God, whether they had ever truly first confessed their sins to the Lord. <clears throat> In First John three and four, look with me there. First John three and four. <clears throat> Bible says, First <clears throat> John 3 and 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. I mean, you can't get much plainer than that. God has defined for us what sin is, and it is the transgression or the violation of God's law. And uh, then in Ecclesiastes 7 and 20, Ecclesiastes 7 and 20, when it comes to the matter of sin... God says much about that. We won't look at all of it, but in Ecclesiastes, look with me there, chapter 7 and verse 20. Bible says, plainly, for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And then if you will look with me to Luke 13. Luke 13. You know, it's an amazing thing when you look at religion. I've been I've looked at different religions over the course of the years of, of ministry and I what I find uh pe- very peculiar among many of them is that many of them do not acknowledge the matter of sin. Sometimes they will refer to what we would call sin as maybe being good or bad but in a very uh very um not a very specific manner. They're more concerned about their little philosophies or their their little programs, if you will, or their religious uh, uh, ceremonies than they are about dealing with the problem that all men have, and that's a problem of sin. In Luke 13 and 1, they were present at that season, some that told him of the Galileans whose blood piled had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the, the Galileans because they suffered such things. Now, you know, for them it was looking at what happened. They said, surely this has happened to these folks because they're terrible sinners. With them looking at others and saying, these folks must be sinners rather than considering their own sinfulness. You know, it's easy to see sin in other people, but it's another thing to have to look at ourselves and say, you know, I have sinned. And the Lord is trying to get their attention uh, in that manner, Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or there's eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam uh, fell and slew them. Thank ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He was turning this thing around and saying, now wait a second. Surely they have sinned but so have you, so have you. You know, it's easy to see when people do what we think do is, is people doing us wrong, sinning against us, but if we ever stop to consider what sin we may be guilty of toward other folk, and even toward the Lord, if you will, in Romans 3 and 19. Romans 3 and 19, God, and it's important that we deal with the matter of sin. Because when we talk about salvation, there first needs to be the confession of uh, a sin, in Romans three and nineteen. Now we know, Romans three and nineteen. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Guilty of what sin? The law was given, if you will, to uh, help us to see we're guilty of sin. He goes on to say, verse twelve, verse twenty. Therefore, by the deeds. Of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all is sin and come short of the glory of God. And one of the first things you and I have to be able to believe is, you know what, we're sinners. We're violators of God's law. We're wrong. God isn't wrong. We are. And you know what, folks? that, That has to be an issue that we deal with, and God deals with our hearts, first and foremost, about our sin. And in the course of it, He tells us the remedy, but it's a remedy for the issue of sin. Amen? It's sin that separates us from God, and yet there's salvation. There is forgiveness of sin. Look with me to 2 Corinthians 7. And verse 9, 2 Corinthians 7, and looking at verse 9, the word confession means to acknowledge that we are a sinner. Agree with God and own sin, own it. You know, it's easy, when we point away from ourselves, you know, a lot of people, I hate to say it, some people, I think our generation that we're living in today is a generation that is being taught to blame other people for their own problems. Blame other people for their own sin. You know, modern psychologists wanna, want us to say, okay, well, my mom and dad did this, and my mom and did that, that. And so because of all of that, that's why I'm the mess I am. There's no personal responsibility in that. And yet there is a personal responsibility before a holy God because of our own sin. My mom and dad will not stand in judgment before God because of, of my sin, but for their own. Amen? And so will you and I. If you're not saved, folks, that sin is a serious matter. 2 Corinthians 7 and 9. Paul writes here, Now I rejoice that, uh, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us and nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing, that you sorrowed after a godly sort. Uh, What carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what uh, clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, Uh, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge, and all things you've approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now he's talking about... The word repentance means a change of heart and mind. It means that we've come to a place where we realize something, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I have sinned. I'm in line for judgment because I did it. You know, if you look out and you start pointing away from yourself and pointing a finger at somebody else and blaming them, do you know what you do? You know what you are doing? You're pushing off that personal responsibility. Now you can push it away. But you won't get away from it in the end. The chickens will come home to roost. You're going to face a holy God one day. And you know what? In that day, when you stand before a holy God, you will confess. You will confess. But you know what? That'll be a time when you're beyond the mercy and help of God. It's not what the Lord wants. You know, many religious people imagine... That they're better than somebody else. And then they're not like this person. Or they're not like that person. Do you know what folks? What are all of us? Sinners. All have sinned. All have sinned. There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And confession is when God convinces us. That we are what he says we are. Sinners. And not only convinces our head but convinces our heart and brings out out some godly sorrow. When we begin to look at what we've done and regret, you know, look at the mess I've made. Look at what I've done to other people. Look what I've done to God. You know, it's a personal matter. It's a matter that cannot be overlooked, if you will, repentance, and we talked about the definition. You know, many of the world's religions do not believe Or speak in terms of sin. Look at me to uh, Proverbs 28 and 13. Proverbs 28 and 13. We're still talking about the confession of sin. Proverbs 28 and 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know, when your kids are young and you, you, you brace them, confront them over something they've done wrong, you're more likely as a parent to be more merciful and gracious to your children in, in their punishment if they do what? If they fess up. If they confess themselves. You know what? I, you're right, Mom. I did that. You're right, dad. I did that. Now folks, you know what? The opposite is true too. When our children refuse to confess, confuse uh, refuse to be honest with themselves and with us, do you know what are we as are we as willing sometimes to uh, be a little gracious to them in their punishment? No. Let me say this, you know, punishment for wrongdoing is to get at the heart and the heart is the problem the heart is the problem with our children you know if we if we have to to, if you will involve them in corporal punishment or spanking i'm not talking about beating it's to reach their heart and help them to understand that when you do wrong there are consequences if we can reach their heart while they're young, maybe they won't grow up to be what we would horribly not want them to be: a criminal and any other number of things that, that could be wrong. We want, you know what, folks, most parents want our children. we want our children to turn out right. Not just so that people will say, "Oh, look at you, you're a great parent." A parent is somebody who cares about their children before themselves, not about themselves. Amen? You know, if you have a parent, a a mother or father that loves you and, and sometimes tells you you're wrong and disciplines you for wrongdoing, that's a good thing. Because they don't want you to have to grow up and face some of the consequences of unchecked uh, lives, unchecked discipline. You know what's wrong with our public school system today? It's an undisciplined mess. And teachers have a tough time teaching children that cannot behave. Amen. So, What do you know about it? I've heard others talk about it and I've seen some of it. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at what children are allowed to get away with in school today. And you know why? Because they cannot check undisciplined behavior. Now, discipline should belong in the home by mom and dad. And that our homes are in such a mess today. But what is the whole issue? We're, trying to talk about, we're talking about the issue of confession. God wants us to get our attention and realize, you know what? If we'd only confess and acknowledge the fact that we've sinned. You know, they say before an alcoholic or a drug addict can get help, they've got to be honest with themselves and say to themselves, you know what? I'm a drunk. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. it It isn't until we have to face what we are that we can get the help we need. And you know, sometimes modern psychologists give us excuses for being what we are, rather than helping us to see what we are and that the real help is found in God. Amen. We're talking about confession of sin. <clears throat> in Isaiah, or he says here in uh, verse 20, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth, and forsaken them shall have mercy. Confession says, I want to change. I'm wrong, and I want to change. You know, if you're really wrong, and you're acknowledging wrongdoing, you're realizing, you know what? I've I've been wrong, but I want to change. Amen? Otherwise, you're just giving lip service. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You know, you won't turn to the Lord... <clears throat> Or seek the Lord until you realize and confess first to yourself, I'm wrong. And then to God. You turn to God because, you know, God's helped you to see you're wrong. And the only way things are going to be right is with the Lord's help. You confess it to yourself. You confess it to God. And then there's, there's help. There's mercy. There's pardon. There's help to change. In Matthew 3 and 1. Matthew 3 and 1. The Bible says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him and Jordan confessing their sins. Now, baptism wasn't saving them. Baptism wasn't washing away their sin. You know what, it was? You know what dealt with the issue of sin? Confession first confessing their sins before God and acknowledging, you know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I've sinned against thee, and I'm sorry. And I want to change. I'm sorry, and I want to change. Verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, he's talking about religious leadership. And you know what? <clears throat> there have been relig- religious leaders throughout history that have tried to infiltrate true Christianity for the purpose of destroying the Christians involved with it. And some of this John Baptist is dealing with, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, "O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" Now you say, "Wow, what, a, what strong language?" He's calling them snakes in the grass." You know what he's doing? He's challenging. He's challenging their confession. He's challenging it. He said, I want, I want to know that you've truly heard the truth. You've been warned of the wrath of God that, come, that cometh on the disobedient. And you've truly repented. Acknowledge it. He says here in verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. You know, he's saying basically prove to me that you've repented and believed the gospel before I baptize you. And folks, you know, if if that were to happen in our day, people would freak out. What? You mean question them? Question whether, whether somebody's truly saved? You know, I try by the grace of God before we scripturally baptize anyone, I'll try to sit down with you and talk to you about whether you're truly saved or not. Because if I baptize you and you're not truly saved, all you're doing is getting wet to no purpose. Now, you may like getting wet, but I don't like getting wet with you. Amen? Because I'm going down in the water with you. Say, preacher, selfish. Amen? A lot of times, pool water's cold. Now, what, what, what are we concerned about? Genuine salvation. Not just going through the motions. You know, anybody can say, I believe Jesus. That doesn't make them saved. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. They know who God is, Christ is, but they don't want Him. They want their own way. You know, in salvation, when we confess our sins, we're saying, I want your way, not mine. I'm done with my way. And it says in verse 9, Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able to these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He's saying, listen, don't wave the banner of we're the children of Abraham, we're the children of Israel. Because you know what he's saying to them? That isn't going to cut it with God. Don't say to God, I'm a Bible Baptist church member. So what? So what? That's not going to get you to heaven you truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you confessed your sin to God? True confession. Owning sin for what it is. Our sin. Matthew 9. Matthew 9 and 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, you know what Matthew was? A publican, a tax collector. Already been saved by the grace of God under John Baptist's ministry. Jesus is calling him to follow him. He's going on to follow him. And I believe that they're in his house in verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with his disciples. Publicans and sinners. Now, publicans were sinners, because they were tax collectors and nobody liked a tax you know how many of you love the irs say what a question is that <laughs> what a reputation the irs has i wouldn't want to work for the irs simply because i'd rather be a janitor before i'd be an irs worker They said but they get paid well so what <laughs> a tax collector he was he was viewed as a thief and he was in many cases many of them were thieves then, he, then the other sinners were publicans, harlots, uh, um, uh, you know, fornicators. Who name what? You know, you there's a whole list of things we could name: liars, cheaters, whatever, thieves. They're sitting in, in Levi's house, and, and Christ is there, uh, fellowshiping with them, teaching them the truth of the gospel. He had an opportunity. Here's Levi, he opened his home, brought in sinners. Christ is talking to those sinners, helping them to know Christ and to know Him. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Now, do you think with an attitude like that that these religious leaders thought of themselves as sinners? No. No, they didn't. They imagined that they were better than those sinners. Lame. Be careful about hanging out with them. What a sinner. You know, sometimes in churches there are people imagine that they're somehow better than someone else. Somehow less sinful than someone else. You know, before you're saved, you may not be as guilty of some sin as some other sin, but you know what God says? We're all sinners. And we need to confess, first and foremost, to ourselves. I'm a sinner. Acknowledge it to yourself in your own heart and then confess it to god he says here in verse 12 but jesus heard that and said unto them they that holding not a physician but they that are sick but go ye and learn what that meaneth and what a, what a sting that was those who said they already knew the pharisees and the sadducees they the folks that should have known didn't know but these who they would have imagined were ignorant new and we're listening to God and Christ. Go, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous and maybe in this context the self-righteous right, self but sinners to repentance. Those who could face themselves and what they are and what we are. Sinners in need of a Savior. Luke 18. Luke 18. <clears throat> Well, let's look at verse uh, Luke 18 and uh, verse 9. <clears throat> and he spake this parable in a certain which trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican, opposite ends of the extreme. The Pharisee is the righteous one, the publican is the sinner. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God. I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, wasn't, God, wasn't the Lord impressed? No. No, he wasn't impressed. And that's what he's trying to get across to these folk by virtue of this parable. And verse 13, And the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, But smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to what? To me, a sinner. See, the religious leadership, the religious crowd sometimes stumbles over the fact that God says they are sinners in need of a Savior and that they are not righteous in and of themselves. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And that religious people stumble all the time. But they say, well, I'm not a drunkard, I'm not a thief, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not this, I'm not that, and yet, the Bible says if we offend in one part of the law, we are guilty, as guilty as if we'd offended all in all the areas of the law. And you know, folks, we as Christians sometimes struggle with that. Sometimes we imagine ourselves to be better than they Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. Let me say this. You know what? It's, this is a work of God in the heart. You know what God has to do first and foremost in our hearts? Humble us. Humble us enough to realize, you know what? I am a sinner. It's me that's the problem. Now, it's not to say that people don't sin against us, because they do. But first and foremost, the problem is your problem. Did you get that, Lane? It's your problem. Amen. Don't blame it on the pastor. Amen. Let's blame it on ourselves. Amen. Sin is a problem with our heart. Sin is a problem with our life and what we do. But I thank God there's a remedy to that, and it begins with confession. In 1 John 1, 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9, First John 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Wow, that's kind of plain. And the truth is not in us. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it's so important as we talk about confession and salvation. The first is the confession, the confession of sin, and we'll talk next week about the rest. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, Please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.